We be the infamous, you heard of us. Official Queensbridge murderers. Yeah, yeah. The infidelity on the side of me, my man. Rapping on, word up, the R-A-double-P. Well. The H-A-B-O-C. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The infamous mob G. Okay. I want to welcome the people, you know, to chopping it up with the conduit. Uh, right. Today is episode seven. You know, my brother, DJ Duwap. I, I like to call him Duwap because he's more than a DJ. You know, he's a producer. He's an MC. You know what I mean? He he, he does it all. So, uh, you know, with further ado, man, say what up to the people, Duwap. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Peace and love. You know what I mean? Anything for my brother Celine all day. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, I'm gonna start it off. We're gonna start off, you know, job from the beginning, if that's okay with you. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, you've been making, you know, mixtapes since as early as '89. So yes. let's say, you know, you 30, you 30, damn near 30 plus years into the game. You know what I mean? Um, what was it that sparked you to start your your own brand of mixtapes? Um, well, I would have to start from the real real beginning which is, I try to make it, you know, as short as possible, but I started DJing when I was nine years old. Right. I was born in LA, um, Los Angeles, but at two years old, we moved to New York. And fortunately for me, we moved to like the part of the Bronx that was in the middle of everything. Like Kaz, Grandmaster Kaz from the Cold Crush lived right up the block. I mean, I didn't know that then, yeah. but I'm just trying to say I'm in the middle of all this. Like I fell right into, you know what I mean? Into like into the mecca of everything. You know, I had Kaz over there, Furious Five, where they filmed Wild Side was two blocks north of of our house. Um, all the park jams were right around the way. So you know, so just like everybody else, I fell in love with the culture, the music, the the fashion of all hip hop. So I'm I'm nine years old at the time, and I my mom and my pop got me a, a you know a set a equipment, two yeah. turntables, a mixer. Every other week, maybe, you know, every week I get a couple of records, vinyl, and I was into it crazy. This is 79. Okay. By 84, 84, 85, I kind of lost interest and just wanted to, uh, like, kind of, you know, run the street, be outside chilling. So I left it alone for a minute. But then, like, when a year or two later, when Eric B came out, Eric B and Rakim, it drew me back in mm -hmm. because it, it it was like the DJ, even though flashing him was out before that, it was a DJ was, Eric B just had this aura about him. He was just, just more flamboyant than anybody else. More like he was just as important as Rakim, you know, yes. it was crazy. So it's kind of drew me back in. So I took it, you know, dusted everything off and got back into it. And then when I heard Star Child, Hollywood, Capri, Brucey e. B, coming out of car systems that's what made me want to do the mixtape so that was 89 okay 89. so yeah so i never really stopped djing that little two-year hiatus mm -hmm. but you know i was still into the hip-hop i was still hip to what was going on i was going to the park jams still amazed by the dj but it was just eric b that just drew me back in and yeah 89 hearing like these tapes coming out of cars and it was a little different because these tapes were made at home by these guys. King Capri was making this at home. I'm like, well, like, damn, like I could do this at home and possibly reach the masses. Right. Well, you and definitely still 
Right, and still yeah, be in the comfort of my crib, you know what I mean? So. Okay, so that's where the idea came from. So, you know, with that being said, I want to talk about 95 Live. Okay. Um, that's, that was my first beginning of learning about who you were. You know, mm -hmm. it, was, it was the summer of 95 for me. That mixtape, both parts, right, were, were banging out of my, my cars <laughs> as much as possible. Um, right. You know, with all the legends and the features you had on that particular mixtape, you know, what was it like putting that together? Because I know in that time, in that era, we were all young, running around, still doing what we're doing. How did you get those artists to commit? And then on top of that, put down classic freestyles that were, you know, never heard before. Right. But on top of that, it, it, it and since I think it, it was definitely not the start, but it, it catapulted you because that was never done before. Mm -hmm. In other words, um, in 95, you were uh, basically crowned the person who, who innovated the new way of, you know, making mixtapes. So mm -hmm. can you just tell me how that process went down, trying to corral all that talent mm -hmm. and then how you made this two-part mixtape, which is, you know, 25 plus years later, still a classic to this day. Right. Appreciate it. Um, there's a backstory to everything, just like, you know, a minute ago when you asked me that. In 93, I got to the point from 89, I was making the tapes, working my way up. By 93, I wanted to be a little different than anybody else. Like, as far as, there was, it was only a handful, you know, of guys still doing it. Capri already left the game in 91 because he went on to, you know, to, he, he shot past everybody, went to do big things, Def Jam, album deals. So now it was me, Ron G, SNS, Craig G, Triple C, Showtime, you know, like G really like Gbo the Pro, Ted Smooth, things like that. Uh, you know, the Goldfinger and all that. But I kind of still wanted to be a little different. So, besides rhyming myself on the tapes on the intro, I created a crew. I put a, a crew MCs together called the Bounce Squad that nobody never heard of. They didn't know each other. I just put everybody together and we started doing in '93, '94. We would do intros that later on became, you know, kind of like the reason people bought the tape because they wanted to hear that intro from me, Snagglepuss, Unique, all that, Rev Gotti, Lord Tariq was like, he was extended family of the Bounce Guard. So we did all this, 93, 94. Around fall of 94, I got a record deal with Virgin Records. Yes, yes. It was a solo deal for me, but then the A&R, Virgin Records, who signed us was New Tribe Virgin. New Tribe was on the West Coast. Right. Mel Ice, God bless the dead, he was a A&R of New Tribe. He told, after they signed me, he told the, the record exec, he said, he got a crew MCs with him. Why y'all didn't sign them too to the deal? Right. So they added them to the deal. I was open to it. I didn't know the business. I could have got them separate deals. I didn't know. Right. So I just added them to my deal. I said, we're all in. But then things got a little fuzzy. Mm -hmm. which is, I'm not going to go into that, but it got to the point where now the bounce ball is about to split up. So now, mind you, 95 is around the corner. My next tape is going to come out in 95, and I might not do a bounce ball intro, and for two years we've been going hard. Right. We know that if I put out a tape without them and me all together, it's going to just be a little odd. It's going to be awkward. It's going to look funny. Yeah, it's going to look funny, and we weren't trying to get it, you know, that back then, no social media, no nothing. Nobody know the personal beef and things that were going on, the personal, you know, uh, like, you know, everything that was going on in the background. So 
one day in the midst of me still trying to think about what's going on, Fat Man Scoop at the time. We still good with the imp with the yeah, you good, Yo, you good, bro. All right. Fat Man Scoop at the time was the street marketing, like, you know, the head of marketing at Tommy Boy. Right. All the marketing guys, and you know this, but I'm explaining it, they would call the DJs every week to make sure they got all the product. Uh-huh. Right. He happened to call me one day and he said, do you have the New Jersey Drive that's about to come out in 95? I was like, yeah, yeah. Those calls I never really liked, but I took them anyway. But it's like, all right, all right, whatever, whatever. Right. You just but doing then, Right, right. So before he hung up, he said, hey, by the way, Buster said, what's up? Mind you, to this point, even though we popping in the street, I never met any of the, any rappers, any known rappers. In 95, I still didn't know nobody, like personally. And right. I didn't know they knew of me. Okay. I thought we were just popping uptown, like Bronx and Harlem. I said, Buster Rhymes. He was like, Yeah. Matter of fact, put him on the phone. I mean, he said he want to put he want to talk to you. He gets on the phone. I'm blown away, bro. Like I'm, but he sound like he's blown away, right? right? And I'm yeah. not trying to sound like, but I was like, Yo, God damn, like, Yo, anytime you need me, I love you. I love the bounce call. I'm there, and I'm like, All right. So I hung up. He gave me his number. I hung up. Of course, you know. Start rolling, right? Yeah. And uh, I said, let me see if I get him on the intro because if somebody don't hear the bounce ball but they hear Busta Rhymes, they gonna be like, whatever, like, it's cool. Right. From that, I already knew Fat Joe. I said, oh, let me try to see if I can get, instead of the bounce squad rapping on the intro, I'll get all these other MCs that's out right now that's known. Since now, I see that they kind of know of me. Right. I called Raekwon. Raekwon said, Joe gave me Raekwon's number, Fat Joe. And he said, don't tell him I gave you, your, you know, my your, his number. Don't don't tell him that I gave you his number. But right. just you call him. I called him. It was a beeper. He called me back. I said, this is DJ Doo-Wop. He said, hold up. Doo-Wop from Uptown, from the mixtapes? Because there's a Doo-Wop in Staten Island. Right. That's well known with in that Yeah, in that community. Yeah. Right. So he's like, do I? Oh, hell yeah, I'm there. Like, this is when Cuban Links was out. Right. Fat Joe, when he had, uh, I think it was Jealous Ones Envy or one of those joints. Yeah. Buster, when he was doing the, you know, Everything Remains Raw type, you know, that. Uh, uh, so I saw, you know, it just like, it was like a, a snowball effect. Yeah. And everybody started coming through. Dude, this is no money involved. Right. The only money was spent was for the studio. Mm-hmm. They were like, glad to do it. Um, it was never done before. Every mixtape either had just a DJ starting off, scratching and cutting, blending, or us rhyming, but never known rappers, rappers that were popping at the time, um, rapping on tapes. And I think, in my mind, they never said this, but I think that certain guys could get things off their chest on mixtapes that, that the label wouldn't let them do right. on their album. Exactly. Certain, if they want to talk about certain things or... So, you know, like Buster was going hard with the Illuminati all the way in 95. Yeah. He was talking about that in 95. He was like, we got five years left. Yeah, five years left. I was just yeah. listening to 95 live. And all yeah, so, so, so I mean, it was like that. And then it became a little easier for me after because then I was like, okay, we, 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 you know, we set the bar now. I could do this again. And, you know, again and again. So that's how I did it up to like 2000. I, you know, but I, but that, that's, that's a, that was a moment in itself, 95, you know. So, like, uh, um, not to jump off topic, but, um, you know, how you, you were just saying, like, it wasn't a problem, you know, reaching out to artists because they, you know, they knew of your work and things of that nature. Um, 
how is that 20, you know, 20 plus years later? Is it, is it still as easy or is it harder? Like if I wanted to do something like that? If you wanted to pop off something with like those, that. With those guys, yeah. But like the newer guys, obviously not because, we, you know, we're a whole generation apart. Not, I, I, I like a lot of that stuff. And, but, you know, like a Rock Marcy, which I know that's your man, with, you know, even like an Action Bronx, with these guys that were after that 95 Live era, obviously way after. Yes. We still got that mutual respect. So it could happen. But I just, I don't know. The mixtape game is just so like, it's, it's, you know, when I put something out now, bro, if you see it on social media, it's because I'm, 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 I'm experimenting on something, right? I don't say, like, I got to put out a tape. I'm like, I'm just experimenting, and it sounds so good, I want the world to hear. So let me just throw it out there. Yeah, well, so with that being said, let's talk about your newest mixtape that you dropped, mm -hmm. uh, The Old New York. Right. You know, what was the mindset behind that? Because, you know, the way you chopped up, you know, the verses against certain instrumentals, like, it just brought back it really brought back that feeling of, you know, the old New York, the, you know, the times you were vibing for, or, mm -hmm. you know, the things you used to see. So, well, that's, that's what I wanted to do. Exactly mm -hmm. what you said was to bring that feel back at the same time, not taking away from what's going on now, because it has nothing to do with that. It's not hating on what's going on now. It's just, I know that there's a whole, you know, I have a, a certain following that, wants to hear that type of stuff and i don't want to keep giving them what i did already so let me try to create something new but still have that sound so like you know like i got part two coming out like tonight i'm doing the all the shout outs for it it'll be ready in about two days like i'm i, I got annie up the vocals over jay-z so ghetto yes you know i got i got uh the what meth and big uh biggie and meth yeah over black rob whoa you know it's like that type just just to be like, okay, you know these songs and all that, but just give it a little, you know, new, some new life. You know, give that song some new life at the same time, have fun with it. And there's people that, you know, that last joint did pretty good. I was surprised because I'm like, nowadays, nobody really buys the mixtapes. You're right. Yeah, you can right. get everything, on, you know, for free. And people were really like, yo, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. You know, what's your PayPal? You know, so I'm like, it's, it is what it is. But back then we did it as a way of, you know, of survival, of, of like, stay relevant and all that. Now it's just like, it's kind of just like, I would say like for fun almost. Like, let me just, let me just let you know that I still know, you know, how to get this in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, but still at the same time, letting them know, yeah, I, I got this. I can still do <laughs> Right, 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 right. Um, you know, I know uh, definitely during your career, you're definitely, you know, uh, a passionate representative of, of, you know, your heritage, you know, Mm -hmm. your Latin heritage. Um, I'm going to talk about you and your special relationship with uh, the legendary Tony Toka. Absolutely. Uh, one half of the Diaz brothers. You know, um, if you can, I want to know uh, what brought y'all two together in order to put that project together. But at the same time, you still share a friendship. And, you know, just recently I was watching you in uh, Tony's battles. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, it's phenomenal. So uh, if you can... Talk about your relationship and, you know, of course, the representation of your heritage and what it means to y'all. Right, right. Well, we came in the game around the same time. When I did 95 Live, like we already discussed with all the MCs, things started to pop for me, right? And, then, you know, I was 25. You get that, get that little chip on your shoulder, like, you know, you start feeling yourself. So I seen he did 50 MCs in 96. Yeah very similar to what I did, but even took it further. Mm -hmm. 
So 96 Summer Jam, I made a tape called 96 Summer Jam and I kind of addressed it. I never knew Tony, I knew who he was. Right. Just like he knew who I was, but we never met. And uh, I kind of like took a shot at him without saying his name. Wind of it, he took a shot back on his next tape. But we had a mutual friend named Ray Rowe and Ray Rowe told me, nah, y'all not doing this. Wow, get your ass down to D&D studio tonight at eight o'clock. You and Tony gonna sit down and talk because y'all could do better together than than against each other. Than against each other. Yeah. We met and it was like it's bugged out because I say it just the way later on Nas said when they asked him, yo, how was it when you and not when uh, you and Jay-Z got in the same room? Not comparing us to them, but I'm just saying that beef they had. Yeah. And they said they just laughed, like they laughed. And that's what we did. Yeah. And this is way before we just laughed at like, man, because it's like we we almost saw you know ourselves in each other, you know what I mean? Like, like we front, we almost from the same place, we doing the same thing. Like this is nonsense. That night we created the Diaz brothers. We stayed in the studio till about four in the morning that night, from eight o'clock. We created the Diaz brothers idea. We did the phone tap intro. Phone tap was popping at the time. We took the intro. I went back uptown to get some smoke. Came back. We wrote everything. We did the intro, and from there, boom, it took off. And we always, you know. It always seems from the outside that he reps, he reps, you know, where we from a little harder than me. And that's cool with me because it's just, it, yeah, you know, even, even, even me with the, I don't even, I don't even speak it as well as him. You know what I mean? Like, like, but it's, um, it's, we just kept this friendship too. You know what I mean? Like, like right now we just did a song, you know, like we're doing a song with, with Extra P. Mm -hmm. for his album uh we just did some with diamond d uh last year and it's the chemistry never really diminishes it, it never goes away it's always there and it's not like a forced relationship oh yin yin and yang yeah yeah that's peace that's peace yeah. um you were recently named to uh a list of the 48 greatest djs now uh, that's a uh that's a hell of an honor if yeah absolutely I'm yeah. usually left off a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. usually left off a lot of stuff. But I, 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 I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, I honestly don't think that's you know done on purpose as well. But at the same yes. time, I, I do think you're you know underrated and at the same time overlooked because there are things that you've done in this culture that have been you know mimicked, but at the same time taken fervent. But if it wasn't for you, yeah. you know that style wouldn't exist, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, you know, when that list came out, you know, uh, how did that go down and how did you feel about being in that top 48? Being those in this culture, it seems to be a million DJs. If I wasn't tagged, if I wasn't tagged in it on Instagram, I probably wouldn't have known because if I would have saw, oh, the 48, you know, whatever it was called, greatest DJs or whatever of all time, I probably wouldn't even have expected me to be on it because of what we just said. It's always, you know, always overlooked and, but, it felt really good to be on it. And second, with the names that were on there, they were the guys that, when I tell you, back when I was coming up, when I started DJing, they were on there too. Like, you know, a Grand Wizard Theodore. Yes. Uh, Grandmaster Flash. You know, these guys that we got everything from, that we learned everything we do, that's where we got it from. So that was amazing, man. That was amazing. Now, you know, I finally got to feel what it, you know, what it's like to be on one of those. Well, Telling so. Yo, it's, it's definitely deserved because. Uh, Thank like you. I said, you. You're an influence. Um, I, I'm not even going to try to 
pinpoint the time that you know you and I met, but I know the first thing out of my mouth, you know, when I met you, you know, it, it was ninety five live that did it. For yeah, me. we 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 was behind a film or we had a group hug. Yeah, that's so, right. <laughs> the Ray Claw joint. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, with brother Ray, uh, Ray and Ghost, right? Ray and Ghost. The bus yeah. just pulled up, and we yeah, pulled up on him. The bus pulled just pulled up. So um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I remember introducing myself to you that night and just telling you what, you know, 95 Live did for mm -hmm. me. And boom, yo, take down my number, God. Mm -hmm. Like, hold yeah. up. just asked me for my phone number, bro. Yeah. He's like, yo, I live out here now. Like, hold up. You in the DMV area? That's even yeah. crazier. Yeah. So, you know, just to connect with, you know, uh, you know, with you on that, on that day, on that instant, you know, it was definitely, no doubt. you know what I'm saying? No doubt. I want to fast forward to 2001 because um, let's say a couple weeks ago, not even a couple few weeks ago, you know, you and Tony Toka had a a, a battle, a live. Yep. And you know, y'all were just you know definitely chopping it up, but you were going you know blow for blow with you know certain guest versus appearance. Mm -hmm. Um, this one uh mixtape, 2001 Gangsters uh Paradise. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about that one song that you played that was done by Prodigy. Mm -hmm. um, that verse that, uh, let's say, uh, I guess somewhat started certain things that- uh, It actually did. Over. Yeah, so um, if you can break it down to the people, yeah. what I'm talking about so they can sure. get a context of what I'm trying to build on. Sure, so I was, I, in 2001, we get to the point now of the, we almost there, like we almost to the 50 cent era, right? We're about a year, a year off, right? Yeah, about but it's it's getting to the point where the mixtape game is changing. Mm -hmm. So me, I'm trying to kind of chase that year. I was kind of I'm trying to chase 95 Live. I'm like, what can I do? Can I do something with another group of MCs kind of similar to that? So what I did was I put I went to I booked time at D and D Studio for a whole week, 12 hour slots, and every day 12 hours, and I would just call certain people that I know will come through or hopefully come through and try to lay some verses down. So I had got Big Daddy Kane, uh, Jazz O, Fat Joe, Remy Ma, Capone from CNN, Lord Tariq, my man Don Black, that's, you know, he came from my camp, a uh, few other people. And then E-Money Bags, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. I don't know how he knew that I was there. I think he saw me there or whatever. One day he was like, Yo, I, I I could bring P by, I could bring Prodigy. Of course, like I already dealt with P in 95 Live, but of course, like that's that's the guard right there. So I'm like, yeah. So he comes through and he already had in his mind what he was, what he was gonna do. Everybody else came through and was like, what you want me to do? I was right. like, I got a list of beats here, which one you want? We would play each one. Oh yeah, I want that one. He was like, yo, you get that, you got the Hail Mary joint. So we had to go get it. I think we even have to go buy it or something. We had to go get it and, uh. He went right in the booth. He already he already knew what he was about to do, and I heard, when he said, "Hove ass nigga," you know, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Got you with some shit. Oh man, like I've never really was, I never really had any like problem with, you know, being the one that plays something, you know, being, but it was just weird, man. Cause I'm like. That's like my favorite nigga right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Party, but that's like I was like, oh P, what's what's going on? Like why? Like what the hell? I couldn't ask him that. I would just let him go. Right. But he went at Hove. To me, it was a mediocre verse, 
but it's P and the way he spits it, you yes. you understand it and feel it, right? Yes, his inflection. You could tell he was mad about something. Right. So now, mind you, every tape from maybe 98 to this point to 2001, I would go to every label the day it drops and I would just let the uh, A&R or whoever know, like, yo, I got a box of tape, of CDs for y'all, tapes, whatever we had at the time, just to spread across the label. It was just something we all do, all the DJs did. I didn't take that one to Rockefeller. I went to every other label, didn't take that one to Rockefeller. Next night, Lenny calls me, Lenny S calls me for Rockefeller, and, he, and him and Bleak is on the phone. Mm. And Bleak says, he's like, yo, Bleak wanna ask you something. Bleak was like, yo, why you didn't bring that new tape? Whoa. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, come on, man, bring that joint tomorrow. We wanna hear it, we heard about it, we wanna hear it. People now would be like, why didn't just look it up? But there was, there was no way of doing oh, yeah, that. You so had to have, yeah. actually have it. Yeah, you had right? to have physical, yeah. So next day I took it to Lenny. And he was laughing when we you know on the phone and stuff. They wasn't mad, but um Summer Jam was maybe a month away. Yeah. And that's when he got at them with the takeover. Um the only person who knew that on a large scale was Flex, Funk Master Flex. Right. Because he after all that happened and Ether didn't come out yet. Nah. It was takeover. Prodigy, he got on the radio one night and was like, he played the freestyle from the tape to show people, like, like he knew, but a lot of people still don't know, like that that's what sparked it. I didn't spark it, but it was right. my tape. Yeah. So um, it was bugged out. A lot of people thought it was the Source Magazine article mm -hmm. where Prodigy said he was mad at Jay for saying, uh, y'all let Snoop come down and kick the buildings or whatever he said. Yeah. Yeah. So it was obviously that's what built up to that verse, but the verse made Hove do takeover. You feel me? So that was that. And uh then he came back. He came back on Street Dreams to do something, but I can't even lie, I forgot his verse, but he was going at somebody. I don't know if it was him and Nas going at it a little bit. Yeah. I think that's when Nas did that uh that song on the um on the same album that as Rewind and Stillmatic and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of he kind of addressed Nas a little bit, but it, that didn't go that deep as uh as the whole joint went. Yeah, but that whole was definitely uh that whole verse really like sparked that whole beef. So that's so basically yeah. that's what sparked Takeover, huh? Takeover, <laughs> amazing song, right? <laughs> amazing. That's crazy. That's crazy, man. Um, Hold something else, bro. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, I almost had Hove on the tape in '95, right? Right. Uh, I used to see Hove a lot when I used to do the play them in New York. You talking about? You talking now, like '94, '95, and it would just be the What's Up, the What's Up, and he would like give me a white label of In My Lifetime, that type of thing. Right. But when he really blew with Reasonable Doubt, I took a shot. And I hit Dame Dash, I got his number from somebody and I said, could I get Hove on the tape? Right. And he said, Dame Dash really never liked me, I could tell, and I didn't care, but <laughs> he never really liked me. He said, I'll ask him, I don't know, but I'll ask him. But he did ask him. And he said, all right, Hove said he gonna do it. I mean, Jay-Z said he gonna do it, whatever. And uh, when is it? I said, all right, tomorrow, eight o'clock. Noise in the Attic Studio, 38th Street, 8th Avenue, right around the corner from D&D's. This this how you can't take nothing for granted, bro. Right. I woke up the next day 
and I was like beefing with my girl at the time. And I just, my mind wasn't right that day. And I was like, I don't even want to go to the studio. I'll get Jay-Z another day. Mm. Yeah, I never heard from Jay-Z again after. After I canceled that session, I never heard from him again. <laughs> I mean, I seen him later, years later, but we, he, didn't, he didn't remember that. Yeah, he, right. he, and That wasn't even on his mind, but it was always on my mind, like how I let that just slip by, bro. Like, you got, you got a strike right there. Cause if I would have went through that night, I would have you know you know not many can say they got a whole verse. I don't yeah. know who got a whole verse or besides Clue. Right. And Clue was a part of the camp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that was that. That was that. That was ill to me though. I never forget that. Like, bad drop the ball, major, major, <laughs> major ball drop. It's all good though, man. It's all good, man. In due time, you never know. You might, you, <laughs> like, you might, you might get the god. You never know. But um. I want to jump to uh, something that not a lot of people know of. Uh, for uh, 15 years in your career, you were a uh, tour DJ and collaborated with uh, um, the one guru. Uh, yeah, for five years. Oh, five years? Okay, pardon stuff on that. But uh, your relationship with Guru, um, I understand, was a close one. But, I, you know, I didn't know about that. Um, you want to tell the people about, you know, Guru, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. My my relationship started with, with him, you know, just like with everybody else in 95, when he was on 95 Live. We remained friends, um, always saw him at D&Ds, so it was a little closer than everybody else. Like, all the guys that did 95 Live, we always remained cool, but I wouldn't see them as much as I would see, like, Guru. Right. Because I worked at D&Ds a lot. Like, I, had, I always booked time there, and he would live in there with Premier, you know, doing their albums. And, um, he was always cool and everything was good. And then he started going on his Jasmine Taz run, whatever year that was, I would say like 99-ish with yes. Tony Touch. Right. Um, which I knew about and I loved the fact that Tony was rolling with him. And then in 2004, I think 2004, 2005, Tony called me and said, Guru's going on a new, on a new like, he has his own project coming out. I got too many gigs booked. Do you wanna, he said he would love for you to DJ for him when I brought your name up. This is Tony telling me that. Right. I said, of course. And Tony told me, he was like, it's like 11 shows and it's like for you, it's gonna be like $2,000 per show, right? I'm like, oh, $22,000 just for 11 shows. That sounds pretty good, right? So I said, all right. So then, Guru emails me and says he's excited. Da da da. He's gonna have his uh his manager call, hit me up and let me know what's good and we're gonna get this on the road. I gotta get my passport number. She emails me and said it's two thousand dollars for all eleven shows. Two thousand total. Hold on, hold on. Plus, plus I'm thinking twenty two thousand plus all expenses paid. Right. Right. She right. told me it's two thousand plus expenses paid. I'm like, hold up. I hit Tony, like, Tony, what? He was like, that's what they told me. I'm like, all right, let me deal with this. So I'm talking, I'm like, yo, I'm no way in the world. I love Guru, but ain't no way in the world I'm going overseas for two weeks for $2,000. Yeah. So we worked it out. Mind you, it wasn't no, nowhere near 22, but it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, you worked it out. But that one run, the reason I'm saying is that one run made me see what type of dude this is. And that's, you know, he's so like inviting like you know he's like so personal with it and he's funny he's cool at the same time so talented uh humble but 
he don't take no he don't, he don't take no mess too. Like I seen him in Russia, he was thumping, he was fighting with like three dudes, you know, like we were just standing there looking at him, like, what are you doing? Wow. But he was like, Yo, I I understand Russian. They disrespected me. They they was on some racist stuff. And you know, he's just so Guru Guru was a movie in himself. So we just stayed friends and and then I just became his DJ and you know, um we rolled all the way up to like about three months before he passed away because me and the other guy he was rolling with had a big issue and and I, I understood said, I understood that you know the dude. Is it that dude who we all think it is? Yeah. All right. We so. had an issue where I always had an issue with him, but I I I didn't respect him, but I put up with him because of Guru. Because that was Guru's boy. I mean, that's his business partner, and uh I just put up with it, but it got to the point where I didn't want to put up with it no more. And we had we was in we were in Paris, I think, and we had a big fallout, and when I came back. I was like, Guru, I can't do it. He was like, man, you know I got to stay with him and we do, we got business together. And I was like, yo, well, do what you got to do. But he was sick at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was going to happen, but he was sick. You know, he called me from the hospital when he found out he had cancer and he was crying, saying, you know, like he got to figure this out because he, you know, he only got X amount of dollars left for his son, which it was very, very good money he had left for his son, but he wanted to leave him more. He wanted, He was just, you know, it was killing him that it was even the fact that he had to tell his son, you know what I mean, that that he was sick, you know, like really sick. And we were going to Japan the week the week after he found out he had cancer. And I said, well, the doctor said, you can't go. Right. You can if you want. I can't stop you, but you shouldn't. You might die over there. Like, we need to do this surgery now. He said, I got to make this money because he was going to make some real good money in Japan for like a week. He was like, I gotta go. And we went, but that that was the worst. Um, for me, it was like so hard because Guru does this move where the monitor on stage, when he's doing full clip, right, where he puts one foot up and he jumps up, full clip. Do you want to? He yo, he tried to do it, bro, and he didn't even move. Because it's he had what my dad passed away from he died from what my dad passed away from multiple myeloma it attacks your spine your bones you know when you get real to that point towards the end you can't even move like your bones are so brittle that you can't even move you know that type so he was in pain like so so bad but he wanted to get that bread to leave for his son you know whatever bread he can get and it was tough but that was the last tour we got home and i never saw him again because me and that dude fell out so that I had to go. Yeah. You know, so it is what it is. But I never had no ill will towards him. Even when even when I knew that I had to just remove myself, it wasn't towards him. I knew I had to. I'm like, I can't stay around this guy. Yeah. So but that major loss, man. For hip hop, for all his friends, for everybody, man. Like way too soon. Way too soon. Yeah, rest in peace. Rest in peace to Google. Rest man. in peace. Well, let's, uh, well, I, I just know noticed that you know in your career you just always you know always around the legends. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna bring up another legend that uh you DJ for, Az the Visualizer. How did how did you and Az's uh you know relationship develop? Az's funny because Az's like. Well, you know how I am, right? Personally, right? Like yes, I'm in and out. I'm not trying to hang out. Right. I'm trying. Yeah. 
if I'm gonna go somewhere, there's probably some money involved, right? right? Um, he's the same way. So we like we never knew we were both like that, but again, 95 Live is when I met him, 95 Live on part two. I had him rhyme over, uh, and this is how he do it, right? He was mm-hmm. popping, Sugar Hill was out. Yeah. I got him through D.O., which was his manager at the time, and I knew D.O. Uh, Damian Blyden from uh, Heavy D's camp. Okay. Okay? D- D.O. brings him to the studio, and A.Z. comes up there. He's like, all right, what's the beat? And I put on Midnight Star Curious, because on 95 Live 2, I wanted all, like, smooth R&B beats. Yes. I had KRS rhyme off of Sugar Free. You know, uh, uh, so I had AZ Ramo for Curious, and he started doing his thing. We didn't get cool that day. He was cool, but he did like 12 bars and was out because there was no money involved. Right. So it was, it was funny to me, but I'm like, he killed it, though. He's AZ. He killed it. But in around 98, when he had a new project coming out, he told Dio to call me and come down to the studio and ask me to, like, to do like a collage of beats for him to rhyme to. It was like Silk the Shaka beat, Erica Badu beat. It was like a bunch of different genres right. that he wanted to rhyme to. And we got cool that day because right. now this is his project and I'm not rushing out the studio. I'm there just to do it for him because he looked out for me right. three years ago. So I'm there for him, but I didn't rush and we just got cool. And we stayed cool. I'm not saying we were on the phone every night talking, but we were, you know, every now and then in contact. But then he hit me in 2011 and was like, yo, I'm about to go on the road with a new project. Yo, you want to be my DJ? Like, let's roll. You know, let's talk, whatever. So ever since then, we've been rocking. We still rocking right now. He wants me to come to New York next week. I haven't been to New York since the beginning of the lockdown. Right. Um, the pandemic and all that. Uh, he wanted me to come because he wanted to do a virtual show for the internet. Okay, okay. Like a whole show, you know. Everybody done did it already, but now he's finally like, "All right, let me do it." Now he's with it. <laughs> that's just how he is. So you know, that's 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 my nigga though. though. But he's uh, he remains the same, man. He remains the same. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, I was fortunate definitely to meet him through you. And uh, yeah, uh, one of the one 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 of the flyers too, yeah. man. <laughs> so I think it was the night that uh, y'all were at BB Kings. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. like everybody and their grandmother in the back. But um, he was just like, yo, God, come here. I got to introduce you to him because that's my people's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, AZ's always been smooth ever since. So yep. you tell me you got something going down. He got the whole album done. Just so everybody know, he got Do- uh, what is it, Do or Die 2 or whatever. I know that's way, way overdue. Yeah, but, the but it is what it is. But it's done and it's amazing. I'm just waiting for him to put it out. But he kind of don't, he kind of, he's on a, on the fence of he knows right now he can't do so many visuals for it. Right. You He can, but not kind of the way he want to do it. You know, it would have to be like very isolated visuals. He wants to do the right visuals, you know. So he got a song with somebody that I'm not going to, I can't say it because he didn't say it yet, but you wouldn't even expect. And that's one you need a video for. So I understand why he's holding back on it. But it's been done for months, months and months. Well, the people been patient this long. I'm quite sure they can understand, you know, since what's going mm-hmm. on with the pandemic. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, man. But, uh, yo, Duwop, man, I wanted to thank you for joining me today. Absolutely, man. brother. I wanted to, you know, touch on with, with you, you know, because, you know, every time, you know, we hang out, you know, along with wifey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's always on some family tip shit. You always. Know? Always. I get to ask you from, you know, uh, 
a fan's point of view, you know what I'm saying? So uh, uh -huh. I just wanted to thank you for joining me today, man. And of course, you know, if you got anything else going on so far as merch, music, you know, tell the people how they can reach you, man. Okay, okay. Well, you know, obviously you know where I'm at on Instagram and um uh you know in 2011 i came up with the flash drive of all my mixtapes that i ever made yeah from 91 really because I, I couldn't get a hold of the other, you know the 89 stuff from 91 all the way up to now i put them all on the flash drive and you know i, I i've been selling those those are crazy i you know i got the old new york me and classic material got the old new york shirt and hat coming out with the new tape next week yes um you know i'm on instagram man you know dj doop at gmail.com appreciate all of y'all Appreciate you, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the show. And, you know, whenever you need me, you know I'm there. Thanks, Duwap, man. I really appreciate you. My Give brother. My, the family and my niece, too, man. Absolutely. And everybody over at the household, man, showing up, okay? Absolutely. Oh, hold on. I got a question. Uh, a, a gentleman is asking, how much is the flash drive? The flash drive is usually a buck fifty, But, like, during this pandemic thing, I've been knocking it for uh, 75 So 50% off. Okay. So, you know, that's how I've been doing it. And it's it's seventy mixtapes from '91 all the way to now, and they all individually uh, situated in their own folder, so it's easy to browse through. And you know, you click on '95 Live, that's what you get. It's not a, it's not all mixed up and and you know, it's situated properly. Word, word. And what about the '95 Live hats? So are they gonna be making that? I sold that. I sold out on those, but I'm gonna get more soon. Um, the next hat that's coming out is called the Old New York. It's a snapback with the shirt. Yes. And that's going to be through classic material and myself. All right. I'm going to let you get back to your lazy Sunday, my brother. But we'll All right, brother. So no. All right. Peace. One man. love. Peace. All right. All right. There you have it. That was uh, episode seven with the uh, DJ Duwop, producer, MC, and DJ. Um, I thank y'all for tuning in with me today, you know, for 45 minutes or so. And make sure y'all go support DJ Doo-Wop and check out those, uh, you know, those mixtapes. Feel like going back and get, you know, your mind right. Definitely check out 95 Live because um, if anything, that was a catalyst, um, a catalyst to me in my opinion. Uh, so I'll see y'all next Sunday, 6 o'clock with Pete Rock. Spread the word. Thank y'all for supporting. Peace. The city got me trapped like an animal with criminal thoughts. I can't seem to turn away from the...